Hey, Kev, let's let's follow this trail over here. This looks like there might be something waiting down there. All right. Hey, wait a minute. Do you hear that? Yeah, I thought it was just me. What the heck is that? I don't know what that is. Whoa, do you smell that, too? That's unbelievable. Hey, look. What the? Hey, look, those, those branches are moving over there. What the heck is that? Holy cow, is that what I think it is? Look at that thing. It, oh my god. It's a freaking Sasquatch. Welcome to the Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters podcast. My name is W.J. Sheehan, author of the series of books, Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters, 10 volumes available at Amazon in ebook and paperback and Kindle. And volumes 1 through 9 are available in audio format at Audible, iTunes, and Amazon as well. And by the way, folks, I am starting sessions recording Volume 10 in audiobook later this month. And I'm actually in the midst of Volume 11. A lot of interesting data coming across my radar screen. And may I now introduce you to my brother and co-host, K.J. Sheehan. Kev, how are you? I'm doing great, Bill. Do you actually have Bigfoot radar? I certainly do, and I pick up Mm. the hairy bugger on it all the time. I was wondering what those big antennas were around your house. (laughs) You see? (laughs) I did touch the chain link fence one night, and I got a shock, but I think that was something else. (laughs) Yeah, it's like bolts of light. You know, you laugh, Kev. In front of me on the wall, I have a picture, a, a replica of a picture of uh, Nikolai Tesla sitting in one of his big laboratories mm. with uh, static, some type of coil blasting off bolts of electricity over his head while he's sitting. Yeah. It's the awesome. father of alternating current. Yeah, man, he was freaking. Did you know awesome. that? A lot of people think it was Edison, but it wasn't Edison. No, Edison had DC, and he was ticked off at him with his alternating, thinking his his was better. But thank God for Tesla, because just about everything we have now, instead of except a flashlight, is alternating current. Your refrigerator, your car. I mean, come on. Oh, all of our circuitry, uh, you know, except for the serious high-voltage stuff. But you know where they debuted AC current and where basically he's credited with winning the winning the current wars, as they called them. Do you know where they did that? Yeah, at the World's Fair. In Chicago, yeah, yeah. 1895. Yeah, yeah, he strung the place up with lights, right? Exactly, yeah, the street lights were mm-hmm. all AC. I was, I was actually in Chicago last weekend and... Uh, um, was thinking about that. It's yeah. Good stuff. Very, very interesting. Yeah. You know, it's kind of sad because I've seen old pictures of Long Island uh, with his laboratory out here in the Pine Barrens that he called, uh, I think it was Ravencliff. Yeah, I didn't and, even know that. Yeah, and all that's left in Rocky Point, Kev, is a little brick building with a six-foot cyclone fence around it and a have a sign, you know, Nikolai Testa's lab. 
And uh, But the old pictures show a large building out in the middle of like sandy pine barrens. And he had a huge uh, electrical tower behind the building that he was doing some types of experiments with uh, sending out electricity or absorbing electricity out of the uh, uh, the ether that surrounds us, you know? Yeah, yeah. He was a really interesting cat boy. I'd love to sit down with him for a couple of weeks. and uh, Way ahead of his time, and now he has an electric car named after him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, not his greatest achievement. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know. I think most people that have a Tesla don't even know it's named after him. Yeah, I mentioned something about Nikolai Tesla uh, in recent days at work, and they were like, who's that? Yeah, he's the guy that invented the Tesla. Yeah, well, if I ask him who Mike Meyer was, they know him. <laughs> Unbelievable, man. Talk about stew balls. <laughs> hey, you're a real stew ball. <laughs> So what do we have in our cryptids in the news and other oddities segment? Today? Yeah, we are uh, going to go into the creepiness tonight uh. and talk about some paranormal stuff. Uh-oh. Uh-oh is right. <laughs> so this one, you know, we're going to talk about something that's been talked about before, not by us, um, but I think it's pretty interesting and you'll see why it's interesting as we get into it because it ties into some of the stuff that we say you should not do. Okay. okay. And we, there's a lot of things I say you should I know, not do. I know, I know. But, but uh, So we're going to talk about the ghosts of Abraham Lincoln. Ooh. So I don't know if you've heard about these stories, Bill, but apparently in the White House, you know, there's still a bedroom called the Lincoln Bedroom, named mm-hmm. after Abraham Lincoln, where he used to sleep. Mm-hmm. And um, it's rumored by many to be haunted. Okay. In that, you know, it's there. And we'll go through some of the famous folks that have gone on record citing uh, the ghost of Abraham Lincoln. And, you know, basically he shows up in and around this bedroom uh, all the time. You know, it's just whether people talk about it or not. Yeah, that's the other thing. If it happens consistently... Why don't we hear about it? Well, you know, and you you can find the stories about it, but I'm sure a lot of people, just like seeing anything else, they're like, I don't want to be known as being crazy. You know, I have to ask you something, and you may not know the answer. Are there any other presidential bedrooms in the White House? That I don't know, but there Mm -hmm. are other presidential ghosts. Like there's been rumors of people seeing Andrew Jackson. Oh, roaming around the White House and hearing him yelling. Apparently, he used to yell a lot and curse a lot. Is he handing out $20 bills when he's roaming he's around? Not. There were, he wasn't on the $20 <laughs> bill back then, believe it or not. <laughs> but Lincoln, especially for our international listeners, I'm sure they know of Abraham Lincoln, but he was the 16th president of the United States from 1861 to 1865, and he ruled over the United States during one of its most tumultuous periods, if not the most tumultuous period, which was the Civil War, where Mm -hmm. the North 
the Union Army of the northern U.S. fought uh, against the southern army or the rebels of the southern U.S., And many, many, you know, people were killed in this, and it was a brutal war. And oftentimes it was kind of brother against brother, father against son, etc. So, yeah, that was an awful, awful war. You know, I had to mention, get back to Andrew Jackson for a second. He had uh, quite the coiffure. (laughs) You like that hairstyle? It was like mine, right? (laughs) Kind of like mine. He looked a little bit like a disco boy or something, you know what I mean? <laughs> little Travolta? <laughs> little Saturday Night Fever back then. Stay alive! <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. My mind goes haywire. No, it's all good. <laughs> so Lincoln, you know, so we'll get into this, why some of the folks think this happened. So, of course, when you look at the image of Lincoln on a $5 bill, for example, um, you know, he he is quite the melancholy, has quite the melancholy look. And then, you know, when you see the old photographs of him, he's often wearing a black suit with that black stovetop hat. Right? Yeah. You know, yeah. he's yeah. a very tall man, and then he would wear that hat that looked like it was two feet tall <laughs> as well. You know, and his face yeah. was kind of gaunt. and yeah. Just, you know, I think it was that way probably before he went through the Civil War as president, but certainly uh, it got a lot worse then. You think he was constipated? No, I don't think so. <laughs> Seemed like a regular guy. <laughs> he ate a lot of prunes. Yeah. But he had a life full of tragedy. Yeah. You know, so he married his first wife. Um, uh, well, first starting out his mother. Nancy Hanks Lincoln died when he was nine years old. What a shame. Yeah. And then his first wife, Ann Rutledge, died of typhoid fever. And um, he actually had, you know, lapsed into a very sad state and led to an emotional breakdown a few years later. So this wow. Is long before he was in politics. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then when he was 33 years old, he married Mary Todd, right, who got later known as Mary Todd Lincoln. Right. But they say that it wasn't a real happy marriage because Mary had a uh, terrible temperament. And get this, Bill, she had a very, very strong belief in the supernatural. Oh, boy. Exactly. And that's why... One of the reasons why I'm talking about this story, other than it being interesting overall. And it was her influence, her influence related to the supernatural, that led to her husband's interest in spiritualism, though he always, you know, seemed to regard it with some degree of skepticism. Mm -hmm. So you have that tragedy coming along. And then the Lincolns, uh, Mary Todd and Honest Abe, had four children. Okay. Um, but only one, Robert Todd Lincoln, lived to adulthood. Wow. Edward, I, yeah, Edward uh-huh. died at age four. And then his youngest, uh, Willie, succumbed to a fever while he was in his first term as president. So he died while they were in the White House. Willie did. Wow. And then uh, his other son, Tad, died when he was 18 after Abraham Lincoln passed away. Hmm. But basically, all the stories talk about how Mary Todd and Abe 
were just devastated by Willie's death while they were in the White House. Hmm. And um, they talk about the fact that Lincoln was often out visiting the crypt where Willie was buried and that he would sit there for hours just weeping copiously. Hmm. Yeah. And then Mrs. Lincoln, right, Mary Todd Lincoln, she urged him to have seances on a regular basis in the White House. Oh, boy. I know, with the hope of communicating with their dead sons. Mm. Well, you were communicating all right, but it wasn't with your dead sons. I know. Right. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you could see this happening, right? Yeah, yeah. They're devastated, and she's very much into, it seems, they don't actually say it, but a little bit of the darker arts. Yeah, yeah. Seances and stuff like that. And she, and by the way, after Willie died, she wouldn't come out of her bedroom for months in the White House because she hated it. So then when she wanted to do the seances to talk to Willie, Abe is rumored to have gone along with it to try to get her to be a little more functional, right? Kind of the lesser of two evils, although it might have been the more evil of two evils. Bad choices, you know what I mean? I know, but you could see it, right? Yeah, like, yep, you can see the whole thing unfolding. I mean, he wasn't. Time. It wasn't like he was a crazy man, mm-hmm. but you know, he was a desperate man. Yeah, and he was trying to appease his wife and save whatever he could. You know, it sounds like Abe was pretty torn up later on as well. Like, you know. He, you know, he ran for office so many times before he became, uh, uh, you know, in the ranks of officialdom, you know? Okay, yeah. Yeah, he had failed many, many times, you know, and uh, leading us back to the old saying, you know, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. Well, if anyone is the poster man for that, it was Abe Lincoln. All right, I thought it was Richard Nixon, but... <laughs> Richard Tricky Dick. <laughs> I'm not a crook. (laughs) But before, and please don't write in about politics, folks. We're just having a laugh here, okay? Don't judge us. We're not judging anyone. We're just having a laugh. So before uh, I get into some of the sightings of Lincoln's ghost, I also want to talk about something that's really interesting. There's a lot of writings about the fact that Lincoln actually foresaw his death. Hmm. And very, very close to the time where he was actually assassinated. No kidding. Yeah, so get this. So one of his close friends, Ward Hill Lamone, a close friend of the president, wrote down what Lincoln told him on an evening in early 1865. Okay, so this is the year that Lincoln got executed in the Ford Theater in Washington, D.C. Okay, Um, So uh, he writes about, this is what Lincoln said, about 10 days ago, I retired very late. I soon began to dream. There seemed to be a death-like stillness about me. Then I heard subdued sobs as if a number of people were weeping. I thought I left my bed and wandered downstairs. I arrived at the East Room. Before me was a uh, coffin on which... in which rested a corpse wrapped in funeral vestments. Around it were stationed soldiers who were acting as guards. And there was a throng of people, some gazing mournfully upon the corpse, whose face covered, others weeping pitifully. 
Who is dead in the White House? Lincoln demanded of one of the soldiers. The president was his answer. He was killed by an assassin. Wow. Isn't that amazing? It is amazing. I wonder if there's any veracity to the the letter or this gentleman's uh, statement. uh, It's written about several times where Lincoln told different people about it. Hmm. So, and then on April 14th, 1865, of course, Lincoln was shot uh, by someone who was viewed to be a sympathizer to the Southern Army uh, named John Wilkes Booth. Wow. And are people, I remember hearing about people, uh, uh, well, I'm not sure if it was... uh, Jimmy Carter or Clinton having seen or said they saw the ghost of Lincoln? Uh, A lot of folks have seen it, so I'm going to talk about a couple of them. Okay. So so one was uh, Grace Coolidge, the wife of President Calvin Coolidge, who was the 30th president. Um, She reported seeing a ghost of Abraham Lincoln. She said he stood at a window of the Oval Office, hands clasped behind his back, gazing out over the Potomac, perhaps seeing, perhaps still seeing the bloody battlefields beyond it. Hmm. And then they say the ghost of Lincoln was seen frequently during the administration of Franklin Delano Roosevelt, hmm. when the country went through a devastating depression and then a, then a world war. Hmm. And they say when Queen Wilhelmina of the Netherlands was a guest at the White House during that period, she was awakened one night by a knock on the bedroom door. Mm-hmm. And they say that she smelled tobacco smoke and Lincoln used to smoke. And uh, she came to the door and Lincoln was standing at her door. Wow. And these guests, by the way, who have stayed there and have seen Lincoln, not just the the folks I've mentioned, they have said they are never, you know, they said, we will come back and visit, but we are never staying in that bedroom again. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, freaked out. Really crazy. Yeah. The smell of smoke, too, that seems to... uh, Yeah, and it's cigars. Apparently used to smoke cigars, so it was, uh, you know... You know, very, uh, you know, very distinct smell. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting, you know. Uh, but the hands clasped, uh, that was a posture of his that I'm, I'm uh, aware of. You know, that standing with the hands clasped behind your back in thought uh, or, you know, meditation, whatever. But uh, what a tragedy, yeah, I know. Uh, and the last the last sighting bill, which is kind of uh, humorous, is uh, British Prime Minister Winston Churchill, right? The great Winston Churchill. Yeah. Um, he would he was notorious for staying up late and, uh, you know, basically taking a long hot bath. And you've seen some of those documentaries where, you know, he's rumored to have been taking a bath while he was giving commands <laughs> to the secretaries in the office and stuff. <laughs> About, you know, during World War II, during the highest uh, uh, points of anxiety in World War II. Mm -hmm. And so he would take a hot bath while drinking a scotch and smoking a cigar. 
And there was an account that at one point he climbed out of the bath and he was naked, you know, in the bathroom adjoining the Lincoln bedroom where he was staying. And he walked into the adjoining bedroom and he was startled to see Lincoln standing by the fireplace in the room leaning on the mantel. Hmm. And Churchill, they say, always quick with the uptake, simply took a cigar out of his mouth tapped the ash on the end of his cigar and said, good evening, Mr. President. You seem to have me at a disadvantage. (laughs) (laughs) And he says that Lincoln smiled softly as if laughing and disappeared. Ha! What a strange turn of events, huh? Yeah, so, I mean, you know, pretty wild um, in that, you know, you have a, a life of tragedy, you know, a life seeing all of the battles, right? You know, brother killing brother, et cetera, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. all of the brutal deaths in the Civil War and him overseeing it and carrying that on his soul and then losing his children. Well, first losing his first wife, then losing his children from his second wife, going through all these seances and stuff like that. So lots of opportunity for evilness to come into this great man's life. And, uh, you know, I think... That could be what we're seeing here. Yeah, well, look, man, whether you're at the seance or gathering around the Ouija board or anything else, uh, you can expect trouble. Let's say yeah, that. no doubt about that. You know, you don't know what you're conjuring up, uh, but it's not, uh, you know, Felix the Cat. Uh, It seems you have me at a disadvantage, Mr. President. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Hey, folks. By the way, folks, if you're first tuning into our podcast, Bigfoot Terror in the Woods, we have this segment at the start of our show, Cryptids in the News and Other Oddities. So you can expect the unexpected when we're delving into that segment. And uh, that's exactly what KJ brought to the uh, table tonight. Uh, And then, of course, we always get into some Bigfoot, which I am about to do now. Are you ready, Kev? There we go. Let it loose. So this uh, following evidentiary finding was brought to my attention by Jeffrey Wainwright, a resident of Miami, Florida. This is what Jeffrey had to say about what he saw. At the time of this event, I was employed by the Sheriff's Department in a Midwestern state. As far as telling you exactly where and when this event happened... I am not willing to do so. What had occurred that day in the 70s was so bizarre that to this day, I would prefer to stay out of the picture altogether. A dense morning fog had engulfed the interstate during the morning rush, causing a major pileup that involved dozens of cars and trucks. The area of the accident covered hundreds of yards of highway. I was one of the first units to make it to the scene. At the time, I had no idea just how many vehicles were involved in the crash. 
the numbers were growing by the minute until a sufficient number of units were dispatched, being placed at certain locations to stop the flow of traffic coming into the area. As I was standing outside of my car, I could only see about 40 feet away from me. There was screaming and shouting going on all around me from yet unseen persons who had evidently been injured. The extent of the destruction was staggering as I began making my way through this maze of wrecked cars and injured people. At day's end, there would be multiple fatalities as well. First, I passed by one small car whose occupants had been crushed to death. The car had collapsed around them like an accordion, being hit by a bus from the rear at speed. I then walked up to a large box truck, which had hit a car. The box truck itself had been rear-ended by a semi-truck, rendering it on its side with the roof and one side of the box completely torn open. The driver, apparently having been ejected from the vehicle out of the passenger door, was pinned under the truck and injured severely. There were several crates strewn about next to the vehicle, which seemed to have been the truck's cargo. Many of them were broken open. I should also mention at this time that the box truck had a government plate on it. As I turned my head to see the various crates, I saw what I believed to be another victim of the crash lying next to one of the containers. It was difficult to see at the time through the thickness of the fog. As I walked nearer to this reported victim or purported victim, my eyes became briefly fixated on the design of this container. It appeared to be aluminum and insulated in some way, having been smashed open in the collision. This aluminum container that the body was lying nearest to was empty and was larger than the size of your typical coffin. What happened next haunts me to this very day. As I drew closer to what I thought was a human, I realized that it was actually a Bigfoot. I could tell that this was not a mannequin or a toy doll of any kind. Using my handkerchief as a glove, I grabbed the arm and lifted it up, feeling the substantial weight of it. This beast was obviously dead before the crash, its body having been thrown from the container and landing on the shoulder of the road. It wasn't emitting any odor, so I assumed that it was embalmed or something of the sort for preservation. As the morning progressed, many more units and emergency personnel of all sorts were showing up on the scene.
I had the unfortunate task of telling my desk sergeant that we also had a Bigfoot to take care of. You can't even begin to imagine what was said back and forth between the two of us after I had breached the subject of the dead Bigfoot. A number of vehicles had shown up from the coroner's office to take care of the dead. It was a short time later when a large black van arrived at the scene, accompanied by two black sedans. As these men exited their vehicles, all they wanted to know was where the Bigfoot was. By this time, the fog had fairly dissipated, and a number of people had seen the Bigfoot on the ground and were commenting on it. One of the men from the black sedan shouted out, Who found the Bigfoot? I heard him, and I walked over. I told them that I had found it early on in the crash, and I walked them over to where it was lying. Three of the men immediately set up a perimeter, not allowing anyone else to come near. Soon after, they asked me to leave as well. The black van made its way over to where the Bigfoot was laying, and a group of men wearing hazmat-type suits struggled to get the creature into the van. When they were through, they closed and locked the doors and the entire crew left the scene. Nothing else was ever said or heard about the event regarding this creature, but I can tell you emphatically that what I saw that day was a Bigfoot and nothing less. What do you think of that, Kev? Bigfoot being shipped in a cargo container that looks like an insulated coffin? Woof. So where did this happen, Bill, did you say? He didn't say. Okay. He didn't... Uh, That's fair that he didn't say. Yeah, yeah he's the one. Nobody to know where he worked, where he's retired from, where it happened. Nothing. So I can't... You know, really, I mean, I wish everybody would give me the details. But I'm in the middle of a two-part interview with a guide from Colorado, which I'm going to continue tonight when we're done with the podcast. Uh, And he told me the name of the outfit he used to work for. But uh, when I asked him if I could use the name, he said, no, 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 please don't. Yeah. So, you know, people have their reasons. And I told him, I'm not even going to use your name. So I'm fine with that. So he's another guy. Oh, you could use my name. No, 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 no. Yeah. Not worth it. Yeah. I told him you're going to become, you know, Joe Schmidt. He said, wait, that's my name. That's my name. Wait a minute. You said, exactly. (laughs) I won't use your name. I'm not too good with names, by the way. (laughs) How about this, though? Foggy pileup and uh, boxes being ejected from the smashed box truck. Well, that was like at first I thought you were talking about it got hit, like a Bigfoot got hit. Maybe creating the accident, but it was actually being shipped in a container. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's creep fest. uh, Yeah, you know. Total creep fest. Box trucks are not, well, anybody who's been inside a box truck, like even a big tractor trailer, when you get in them, 
it's a reef. If it's a reef trail, you have thin insulated walls. But other than that, it's just like an aluminum subframe with some sheathing over it. So, I mean, if you get whacked uh, or if the box gets hit side on or something, that thing's just going to fold up like a tree fort, you know? Oh, man. But, uh, yeah, crazy stuff, man. Unbelievable. You know, it makes you wonder how much of this stuff shipping around of different things actually goes on. You, know? <laughs> you probably don't want to know yeah, no, what's in some of those containers. You know, Kev, you remember, and I just saw something not too long ago, uh, when uh, Grumman was a much bigger entity here on the island building planes and stuff, and of course, re, uh, uh, who was over at Republic uh, in Farmingdale? What was the other manufacturer? Fairchild. Fairchild. Thank you. Fairchild uh, Republic was building uh, fighter planes and stuff. But you used to regularly late at night, always late at night, there would be a train of flatbeds with police in front and behind them. And there would always be things on them that appeared to be like maybe sections of planes or something. Always. You don't think they were full of Bigfoot? No, but I'm saying, <laughs> you know, they could have been freaking saucers. They could have been anything. They always covered them yeah, up so yeah. you couldn't and identify By the way, them. Bill, we are going to touch on that. Some of these uh, um, congressional hearings related to that. So yeah. stay tuned, folks. You've seen some of those testimonies. Maybe even in our next podcast, we'll touch on them. <laughs> Maybe. No promises. Yeah, no promises. But we will. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it, man. Another uh, incredible. And I'm telling you, speaking of incredible, man, uh, this Colorado guide that I hooked up with, uh, wait till you hear what he's run into in Colorado. Not once, but twice. And this is going to be in your 11th book? Volume 11. It will be one of the uh, accounts. A lot of folks, you know, write in, where is this stuff coming from? Where do these accounts come from? Well, there's one of them right there. Yeah. And I'll tell you, folks, I've made good friends with a number of people who originally called to, uh, you know, just give a report. It's true, folks. He gives them like autographed copies of his books, but he hasn't given them to me. (laughs) I can vouch for that. Well, listen, it's not true because the truth be told, not one of them has received an autographed copy. All right. That makes me feel better slightly. Yep. 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 At least for the moment. (laughs) Monsters are such interesting people. (laughs) (laughs) All right, are you ready for some listener mail? I'm ready. Because I'm ready. (laughs) All right, so uh, this person wrote in. His name is John. I'm not sure where John is from, but he says, Good day to both of you. I enjoy the show and may occasionally send posts that you might find of interest. And here's one. And I don't know if you saw this photograph, Bill, but it was of a bear picture taken a black bear taken from the nose on mm-hmm. where it had lost its fur on its head mm-hmm. did you see that photograph uh-huh and john writes in saying 
this thing looks a lot like a dog man. And uh, I agree with you, John, except it's not standing up on its hind legs with fiery red eyes. Right. Uh, and its back legs don't have joints that bend the other way. Yeah. And it's Other not, than that, it's a dog man or it's a bear that lost its fur. Right. And it's not standing up skinny and lanky. No, it's and, a bear. you know, running at 35 miles an hour down the highway. But it is a funky looking picture. <laughs> yeah, no, we appreciate it. And it no is no doubt about it. Certainly of interest, you know, just to see these things, you know. Yeah. I'm glad, Kev, that people just take the time to chime in. Oh, I agree. I'm not, I'm in no way, you know, picking on the letter. Well, why don't we pick on them a little bit? Because we don't have to. Uh, you know how much I love to pick on people. <laughs> I know, but then I have to read the letters from the people that you pick on. Ah, <laughs> uh, John, yeah, very interesting. And uh, keep your eyes and ears open and report to us anything and everything you may come across that you think is of interest. And that goes for everybody. BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com. Hit the contact link. You've seen something, say something, and I will be in touch with you. All right. Well, we got a few more letters, folks. Next one comes from Lori from Maryland, and this is a winner. The subject is Pigman on Seinfeld. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember this episode. She says, hi, Bill and Kevin. My husband and I don't miss an episode of your podcast. We really enjoy it. The Pigman story a few weeks ago reminded us of a Seinfeld episode (laughs) called The Briss. During the episode, Kramer, while visiting a friend in the hospital, went into the wrong room and saw a pigman. I remembered. I forgot about it. And he's like, and Lori writes, in this episode, Kramer says the pig man is the result of DNA experiments. Kramer says they're making an army of pig warriors. Oh, my God. I knew your story reminded me of something. And since I've seen every episode of Jerry Seinfeld and the gang, I had to find it and watch it. And by the way, she says it's season five, episode five. There you have it. Take care. Lori from Maryland. <laughs> I could see Kramer's face when he came into the room. Oh, and my goodness. Oh, <laughs> Jerry! It's a big man. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, Lori, <laughs> excellent. And, uh, Definitely good for a couple of yucks. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> the pig man. So also related to the pig man, so two letters. Clayton mm-hmm. from Missouri. He says, hear ye, hear ye, city slickers. <laughs> Down here in Missouri, if I catch a pig man strolling through the backyard, <laughs> there'll be a 30-round salute echoing through the hills. <laughs> I'll have kinfolk uh, I didn't even know I had coming from miles around joining me for a Swiss pork and beer on ice. Always carry more gun than you think you're going to need. God bless the U.S. of A. Yeah, that's what I'm Clayton talking about, from brother. Missouri, home of the Momo Monster. 
What did he say? Like a, sw- a Swiss pig barbecue? <laughs> hey, whatever it takes. <laughs> Beer on ice, pig, maybe some bacon, and next morning. I like the ending, man. God bless the U.S. 30, 30 shot salute. Only in America, brother. Only in America. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. This is some funny stuff, man. Uh, What was that fella's name again, Kev? Clayton. Clayton. (laughs) Clayton, we may call you Clay, if that's okay. Yeah, that's what we'll call you. Clay Clay and a 30-round salute echoing through the hills. (laughs) A little Swiss pork accompanied with beer on ice. (laughs) Hey, listen, uh, Philip sent me, uh, uh, <laughs> I, I forget exactly what he said. Let me just, give me a second here, Kev. I got to try to. You got you to gotta regroup, Bill. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, but this is worth it. Um, ah, I lost it. It was something to the effect he had a sign that said if a, uh, if a mountain man comes back as a hillbilly, is that called reincarnation? Oh no! <laughs> so oh, stupid! No. So stupid! Tarnation! Oh boy! That's what. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, that's it this fo- this week, Bill. Great podcast, and folks, thanks for listening. Thanks for writing in, too. We love your letters. We love those five-star reviews, too. And we especially love those written reviews. All of you that have let, led the, left those very kind written reviews, they're really good to recharge our batteries and keep us going and knowing that you're out there and you're listening. We see the statistics every week, but there's no substitute for actually hearing from you. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, my God. Too funny, man. Uh, well, that's our listener base, though, right? A little comic relief, a little pig oh, yeah. man, a little Seinfeld, a little this and that, bears with no hair, and all kinds of stuff coming down the pipe. <laughs> and remember, folks, if you should find yourself walking around in the woods, going for a stroll in the National Park, you best remember one thing, my friend. Always carry more gun than you think you're going to need. Sleep tight. <laughs>